Hey friends, before we get started, welcome to season two of Least Important Things. I'm really excited to dive into this season's stories, conversations, and hear from you, the listener. Now we have a new way to do that. Uh, obviously, you can still do that through Instagram, leaving a voicemail, going to the website, leastimportantthings.com. But we have a new email newsletter. I'm calling it Least Important Things Monthly. Not so much a newsletter, but kind of like a free magazine from your tourism board. You know, the ones you get in the mail for free that has like advertisements of local realtors and a couple articles about the new restaurant in town. It's kind of like that. Like that's that's the, that's what I'm going for. Uh, but of course, it's going to be about least important things. So the most important of the least important things in our lives. It's going to be clear. It's going to be simple. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be monthly. So it's not going to crowd your inbox at all. If you want to subscribe, you can just go in the show notes, wherever you're listening to on your podcast app and subscribe there or head to our website, leastimportantthings.com. Scroll down. There's a big header that says subscribe to our monthly newsletter. I'm thrilled for season two. And a lot of that is because you, the listeners, shared your ideas. So thank you so much for sharing your topic episode ideas. And that doesn't stop. You can always reach out to me and share what conversations, what topics you want to talk about on least important things. This idea came from a conversation from my friend Kelly that we had, I think over a year ago about food. I was struggling to do a food episode and I was like, I don't know what my entry point is. And she helped me guide that through. So thank you, Kelly. And thank you listeners for supporting me, for sharing your ideas. All right. That's enough of me until you get some more of me on with the episode. On a crisp early autumn evening in Traverse City, Michigan, I tucked my football helmet under my shoulder pads and waddled off the crusty grass makeshift practice field on the vast grounds of a local Coast Guard base. My Pop Warner football team was in the midst of another successful season with our cast of coaches made up of dads, including mine. I hauled my pads into the back seat of my dad's Buchla Sabre and stole my football pants I plopped onto the front seat to drive home in the golden rays of the setting sun. Suddenly, my dad took an unexpected left turn off Parsons Road. He had noticed his friend and colleague Larry tinkering with his boat in his driveway. I was frustrated by my dad's unplanned pop-in, but I liked Larry. He was jovial and our church's youth pastor with a goatee, rimmed glasses, and flip-flops to boot. Larry, being his hospitable self and noticing my post-practice hunger, invited us in his modest northern Michigan home for a snack. While chatting with my dad about his last fishing excursion, Larry worked simultaneously at the kitchen, putting together a concoction I'd never seen before. End of the season, fresh, bright red tomatoes from his garden. Discs of moist, creamy mozzarella. Neon green leafy basil with a fragrance that filled the room. Each ingredient was layered upon each other like a natural nacho and topped with salt, pepper, fresh olive oil, and a delicate drip of balsamic vinegar. Larry and my dad encouraged me to try. I wasn't a shy eater as a kid, but this was something I'd never tasted before. You see, I grew up in the land of meat and potatoes, and steamed vegetables were kind of uh, nice to have. This dish made the tomato the hero of the story. I picked up the caprese salad, with my grass-stained hands and bit into the flavor burst of moisture. The acidity of the vinegar, the fat from the cheese, and the tang from the basil, and the sweetness of the tomato was a cornucopia of pleasure as I chewed. I scarfed down most of the spread Larry laid out for us, relishing in the delight of an unexpected snack I never knew I needed. That meal changed my life. 
Larry was widely known around our community as an excellent cook, but this was the first time in my life that I understood the power of simple quality ingredients impairing the senses, all wrapped up in a moment of generosity. Driving home with a belly full of my new favorite food as dusk hit the road, I knew that there was more to life than just what was in my small nuclear family. There was a world out there of flavors, places, and people to explore. And all it took was a simple salad and a gesture to open my eyes and my palate. You're listening to a podcast called Least Important Things. I'm your host, Luke Ferris. There are two pieces of media in the past couple of years that have captured the essence of a life-changing meal. The first is the 2022 horror thriller, The Menu. Is that going to fit everyone? Yeah, easily. 12 customers total. How do they turn a profit? Twelve fifty a head, that's how. What, are we eating a Rolex? It's one of his classics. You have to try the mouthfeel of the mignonette. Please don't say mouthfeel. Tonight will be madness. Welcome. We'll endeavor to make your evening as pleasant as possible. The premise of the movie is that a select few strangers are guests at an exclusive restaurant located on an island, helmed by a cutthroat and world-renowned chef. The film captures all the modern stereotypes of cuisine culture. The tech bro friends of the Mark Zuckerberg type that finance the restaurant, the wealthy retiree couple that have become loyal customers, the washed-up movie star that name drops, and the foodie nerd who unhealthily and obsesses with every detail about the chef in the restaurant. Okay, if you haven't seen the movie yet, please feel free to skip the next 60 seconds. In the end of the movie, the deplorable chef sets a course to murder each guest in an evening of tastes, senses, and revenge. All except the foodie nerd's guest, an unnamed woman with a mysterious past who doesn't give into the wonder of the other guests and instead requests the chef to make a simple American cheeseburger. We can do a cheeseburger. A real cheeseburger. Not some fancy deconstructed avant bullshit, a real cheeseburger. Well, I'll make you a very good, very traditional cheeseburger. I don't think you can. I'll make you feel as if you're eating the first cheeseburger you ever ate. The cheap one your parents could barely afford. Show me. How do you like it? Medium. American cheese. American cheese is the best cheese for a cheeseburger because it melts without splitting. How much will that set me back? $9.95. That come with fries. Niels? Yes, Chef. Is the fries still on? Yes, Chef. Crinkle cut or julienne. Her purity in recognizing the power of a life-changing meal grants her freedom. An enormous Greek tragedy meets food channel meets 80s slasher. The spectacle of a lifelong career in culinary's top realm never really satisfied Chef Slowick. And he gets to the point where His artistry is really useless without an ending. So he creates a very devious and evil one. And only the memory of a simple meal kept the character Margot free from the onslaught of his doom. And then 
there's the bear. We're firing 76 beefs, 34 chickens, okay? 12 french fries, 12 mash, f***ing now. Thank you. Corner. Oh. You didn't say corner. FX's surprise hit released its second season this past year, and if to be fair, it, it exceeded expectations. I was very much convinced that the first season was perfection, and it should have stopped, and it didn't need a second season, and I was wrong. Uh, if you haven't seen this show, the premise is a young superstar chef moves back to Chicago, his hometown, and tries to save his late brother's Italian beef dive. The cacophony, fast-paced, and humanistic storytelling is a masterpiece in editing, character acting, and dramatic writing. Not to mention some incredible needle drops. And while the characters and the style of the show steals the attention, it's the show's deeply sensitive concern for the food and restaurant industry that make this show so special. There are so many examples of how a meal, a taste, a dish transports the characters to a moment in time, or changes their trajectory. Think of the Sydney montage across Chicago in season two, Marcus, his first taste of Danish baking, or Richie just, oh, the Richie episode. You know which one in season two. Oh my goodness. But the meal that really changes the show, especially in season two, and the characters, and probably the legacy of this cast as actors, is the Seven Fishes episode. I need it. Please, Mikey. Yeah? Yeah. I just, I need please, to borrow it. Please. I just need to borrow for please. one second. Mikey, please. Hey, Lee, Lee. Michael. I'm just going to borrow for a second. Michael. I just need it for Mikey. one second. Come on, dude. Yo. Michael. <laughs> Michael. 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 Through the fork, Lee. Michael. See what I did? I Michael. threw the fork. Tiff, tiff, please. tiff. Shh. Oh. Hey, hey, hey. No, 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 You're no, no, scaring no. the normals. This is fine. This is nothing. This is, it's nothing. Hey, Mikey, can you hear me, buddy? Not right now, Stevie. Cut it out. Rich? Hey, look, here's the thing. You see, I can throw forks. Because this is our father's house, Mike, right? Rich, Lee? my father's house. We have lift off. Okay, you got everyone's attention, so Listen, go ahead and tell us a story we've all heard a million <laughs> times already. <laughs> That's good, Lee. It's one of the most dramatic and gritty portrayals of family trauma. There's so many videos out there talking about just the, the blocking, the editing, the lighting, the writing, and just conversations I've had with people where this this episode comes up, either it's tied to their own family trauma or the first time they've seen alcoholism portrayed accurately on screen. The first time they've seen maybe something from their past that they've seen on screen. If you haven't seen the show or the episode, I apologize for the rave reviews and ranting, but this episode is a flashback episode centered around a Christmas family dinner with the Barazzo family and in a series of tension building events descends into chaos. Again, fast forward 60 seconds if you don't want spoilers of season two of The Bear. As much as this episode will change you as a viewer, it's not until the finale where the main character, Carmi, reclaims his seven fishes trauma by making a tasting menu in homage to that life-changing meal for the opening of his new restaurant. Life-changing meals. They're not what you think of. It's not the Michelin star restaurant on vacation or the Valentine's Day reservations booked weeks in advance. A life-changing meal can be subtle, simple, and unexpected. 
I wanted to know what your life-changing meals are, and here's what you said. Aaliyah said, tater tot casserole when I was six years old. I had it at my friend's house, and it changed my life. Aaliyah messaged me for follow-up context on this. She said, my mom never let us eat junk food growing up, so when I had tater tot casserole at a friend's house, I was shocked. Still love it to this day. Morgan said, duck a la orange and escargot in Paris when I was 19. I was a fussy food kid growing up, and it opened my eyes to food. Caitlin said, fish and chips. It's the first real meal I ever made myself and encouraged me to cook. Chloe said, girl dinner. Louise said, my mom's enchiladas. John said, French onion soup and mayo fries in rouge with a Belgian beer. Powdered waffle for dessert. Rob said, cooking class at a tiny winery and B&B in Tuscany. Lasagna, chicken, tiramisu, endless wine. So before you go to a trendy restaurant or decide to order takeout, think about what makes a memorable meal for you. Who are you with? Where are you? What are you eating? What are the sounds, sights, and smells? What's the conversation? A life-changing meal doesn't have to be a -a once-in-a-lifetime meal. Hell, it can be every day if you're willing to be aware and notice and savor what food, nourishment, and the people we share it with can provide. I have to close the episode with one of my writing heroes, Anthony Bourdain. Meals make this society hold the fabric together in lots of ways that were charming and interesting and intoxicating to me. The perfect meal, or the best meals, occur in a context that frequently has little to do with the food itself. Least Important Things is created and hosted by me, Luke Ferris, logo and designed by Curtis Felton and executive produced by Jay Ferris. If you want to stay connected to the show, we have a new newsletter like I talked about in the opening. Please go to www.leastimportantthings to subscribe or look in the show notes. You can follow us on social media, Least Important Things on Facebook, TikTok, Luke H. Ferris on Instagram and Threads. Thank you so much for listening. We are kicking off season two with this episode and there's plenty more to come and you can find out more information by subscribing to the newsletter. And until next time, I'll talk to you soon. Sid, quit f***ing around. Grab a can opener. Family style? Two tops, boots. Danish design. Tasty menu at the bar. Window on the side. For sandwiches. Yeah. Jamie. Okay. Show you what the fuck you're selling. What do you call it?